Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. I'm Emma Kennedy. Great to have your company ahead of the weekend preview for York. Don't forget that if you have deposited money into your Tote account, you can stream any race live. You don't even have to place a bet. All you have to have done is deposited money into your Tote account and you can stream any race you want. That is incredibly fair of Tote.co.uk and Tote.ie. I'm joined by someone I haven't spoken to for ages. Oh, wait, I mean, 20 minutes ago as we were on TalkSport together. Uh, Hello, Lucy Russell-Hughes. Hello, Emmett Kennedy. Good to hear from you again. Two out of three today. And two out of three ain't yeah. bad. Uh, you're already in form on the podcast and like causing Odds Checker to go see of blue like Delargy does. So um, who knows what's going to happen after your tips today. Speaking of, Dr. Roy Delargy is here. Hello there. That was a muted hello there, Rory. That's an unmuted hello in actual fact. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Lucy, you actually got to be at York. You got to be there and and be amongst the crowd and and see Mishraf win on Wednesday. Uh, what was it like being back at the Naysmeyer and what was it like being there amongst the crowd on a pretty historic occasion? Yeah, a very special day. And um, Mishraf got a tremendous reception when he came in. And I think um, the crowd was just so honoured to witness this horse um, win his first Group 1 on these shores. And deservingly so as well. He went off a favourite and I think the crowd really appreciated that as well. I think um, he won like the favourite should do and he he won by a a really good margin. And I think that just added to the whole atmosphere. It's a fantastic race, the Group 1 Jubbon International and a a fantastic horse to win it as well. Um, Yeah, fantastic for all the crowds to be back. And it was quite emotional, actually. I I obviously went to the Ebor Festival two years ago, so... um, I think everyone was just delighted to be back. Um, and it's a great atmosphere around the parade ring. You can get pretty much quite close to the action. And when Mishriff came in, um, the atmosphere was, yeah, fantastic. And he was a deserving winner of, of the best race on the day. Yeah, we'll talk about that in, in more detail on um, at the weekend. But uh, it is a joy to see the crowds uh, at the courses. It is a joy to see so many people at York as well. <clears throat> hint, hint, Ireland. We might be lucky enough to have 5,000 people at Leopardstown on Irish Champions Weekend. We might. God almighty tonight. Uh, Roy Delargy, you've been watching the race. You tipped a 40 to 1 winner. Take a. Take a bow, son. Well, Mr. 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 Massey needs to take a large uh, chunk of the, the credit for that. Um, He's a Kreuter in the horse in question is a horse that um, that he's very much had had on his radar uh, for the season. But uh, I'll take a bit of credit for noticing that he was 40 to 1 this morning um, on the machine and saying, can't let him go with that, can we? So we were concerned that uh, the race he was running in was maybe, you know, a grade too high for horses who wants to dominate. Um, But ideal conditions, chance of a reasonably soft lead, 40 to 1. You can't give those up. No. Happy days. Well done, mate. Uh, that was absolutely sensational stuff. Um, in terms of how the track has been riding and any track biases that we've seen uh, over the weeks, so 
covering it on on Talksport, it it seems to me as though being up with the lead is clearly beneficial to horses. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win. We've seen high class horses like Mishrif and Snowfall come from well, Snowfall came from miles behind to absolutely blitz them. Uh, but being up with the lead has been useful. Has there been anything else that you've spotted? Any stalls bias or any track bias in particular that you think could be helpful for a Friday and Saturday? Today, a couple of the winners were towards the far side of the track at York today, whereas I think yesterday they were far more centralised and one coming up the middle. Um, sort of the two-year-old race, ever given one on the far side. And then the last race we just had at York... Um, that Andrew Boarding winner, Harrow, that was on the far side rail as well. So uh, you could look at that um, if you're having a bet going into the weekend. Intriguing. Rory, for you? I, I, I wouldn't read a huge amount into it. If you're stuck on the on the straight course, I think it's 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 clearly hard to overcome a very high draw. Um, horses are showing speed to, to be competitive most of the way, but in the last furlong, uh, if you're sort of if you're stuck very wide on the track it seems to be harder to get involved with that's just because you're separated from from other runners i don't know um but yeah low to mids seems to be um the place to be there but it, there's not a there's not a massive amount in it for most of the race but obviously you know the last furlong is, is hugely um important uh, the clive cox uh, horse in the um in the sales race did very well to get involved from where he was but he's followed the other two right across to the far rail uh, in the last furlong um on the on the round course again you know seven final mile race is very hard to get involved from an extremely wide draw but that's less the case um over longer trips uh, particularly a mile and a half and, and uh, beyond and I've, I've um made this point here countless times in the past about not being afraid of backing horses drawn very wide in races like the Ebor the Melrose uh, and even sort of the mile and a half handicap that we have tomorrow um that should um that shouldn't be an issue for horses with a bit of speed. Those in the mile handicap today who went forward early probably used up a little bit too much petrol to, to get there, but you don't have to move forward so um, so aggressively over a mile and a half because you get so much longer between the start and the first bend. And that's where things start to sort themselves out. If you are if you want to go forward over a mile um, or indeed over seven furlongs where there's a bend reasonably soon after, after the start, um, you've got to... Um, You've got to take your position very early, so you've got to you've got to ride the horse aggressively from the stalls, and that's not necessarily a beneficial thing for those. Um, there were, I think, the first three in the market for the mile handicap today were all drawn very wide, um, and um, they struggled a little bit uh, because of, of having to either use up the petrol to get there or being dropped out in a race that didn't suit. In terms of um, of whether it suits the front runners, I think the key is how fast you have to go. It's it's you know, it's blindingly obvious. Um, but you can look at some races where horses are given a fairly easy lead and go, well, that horse has led all the way. And it was an outsider, the Aiken winner, for example. But he's actually a decent horse. He was just un- he was just underestimated by the, the hype for others in that race. Yeah. He was given a, an easy lead. Um, he, he, he had a rating of 93 coming into it, having won a novice by five lengths on his previous start. Um, so you can't really give a horse rated 93 um, a few lengths lead um, and expect that he's just going to come back to you. Whereas if you have to work that much harder to get to the front, then it's going to tell at the end. And we still, we've seen several horses come from a fair way off the pitch. Yabir, for example, in the um, in the Voltager was held up right at the back of the field. And um, one or two of those who were handy, Kamari, who we know stays further, he dropped right out and, and was well beaten. So don't, don't, um, don't look for really hard and fast rules in terms of, of what to look for there. Um, again, 
there are there are some examples where you you find that there's a really strong draw bias or there's a really strong bias um, towards front runners at certain tracks, but it's not really the case here at York. It can it can seem that way from a small sample size, um, but if you rule out horses you fancy because you think the run style is wrong, um, then you'll be kicking yourself when they win it at a decent price. So. You know, take it with a pinch of salt. Um, take whatever pointers you can and use them if you can, but don't think that they're absolutely carved in stone. Take heed of the wise words of Roy Delarkey and indeed Lucy Russell Hughes as we look at the 150, uh, our opening race on Friday. This is the Skybet handicap. Uh, I quite like the Tim Easterby horse, Dark Jedi, who was second in the race last year. I think a repeat of that run would see him go close. Uh, but the betting is headed by Wink of an Eye for the Queen. Yes, I did wink. Uh, David Egan and William Haggis. Uh, Ryan Moore and Sir Michael Stett with Mike Frankel, 9 to 1, 10 to 1, Johnny Drama. State of Bliss, 10 to 1. Uh, Strawberry Rock is 10s, and uh, Dark Jedi for me is 12s. Uh, Lucy, who do you like in this race? Yeah, it's a, a good race, and I think Winkham and I is um, going to go off favourite, and he's uh, coming into it off the back of a four time, most beautifully bred. Um, by Dabawi out of a listed winner for the Queen. So he is stepping up in trip to a mile and a half. Shouldn't be a problem for a William Haggis trained horse. I do like Dark Jedi, um, as you mentioned, for Timmy Sv, second in this race last year. Given Timmy Sv's form, especially at York this week, he's in uh, tremendous form. This horse was a class two winner at Ripham over, over a mile and a half as well on good ground. So um, he's by Kodiak as well. Plenty of speed there. I think he's um, not going to be too troubled by the ground, hopefully. Uh, as I say, second last year, that was on good ground too. And I think Duran Fentiman has got a good tune out of him in the past. I think Dark Jedi um, will go close. And I think State of Bliss, Bliss is interesting for Mark Johnson. Really appreciated the step up and trip last time out when he, he won at the Sherlock Cup meeting. And I was there that day and Nicola Curry was uh, pretty much hands and heels on this horse and... He's um, relished conditions last time out. He's by Glen Eagles. That was on soft ground. So my only concern would be um, how quick York is going to get this weekend. It's going to get quicker, you think. Um, So, yeah, I like Dark Jedi. He's not too badly handicapped either. I am delighted to hear that. Thank you very much, Dark Jedi. (laughs) We don't often go for the same horses, but no, I think he's got a lot to like. Great minds think alike, Lucy. Great minds think alike. Now, if Rory Delargy comes in here and goes, Dark Jedi's the vet, I might just fall over. <laughs> uh, uh, I'd, uh, I'd certainly not um, be negative about uh, about Dark Jedi's chances in this race. But I'm not going to select him, not because uh, I think there's a, a strong reason why. The, the, my only issue with, with Dark Jedi is just that he's a little more exposed uh, the one or two here, but yeah, his, his form stacks up very nicely. Um, he's uh, he's got back to winning ways this season, yet he still remains on a uh, uh, on a workable mark. Um, so he ought to go fairly well. Um, I I liked the um, there's a little angle here I quite like State of Bliss, um, who's got a, a favourable mention already from Lucy. And I also like his his chances here. Um, that was uh, as Lucy said an improvement last time out. Um, at Ascot. I whether that was an improvement uh, because of his natural progression, he's been very consistent this season, or whether he improved um, for the handling of Nicola Curry, 
um, or the stiffer uh, tests, first first run over uh, a full mile and a half. I'm not entirely sure. Or indeed the change of tactics. He made the running at, at Goodwood uh, and was held up um, at Ascot last time. But there are various reasons why he might have improved. Um, but I, the fact that he did improve is the most important thing. Um, and he's got um, several of those things in his favour again. He's again written by Nicola Curry. He's again running over a mile and a half. And from stall 18, I'd imagine they'll look to, to, to hold him up. Um, but um, what I particularly like here is there's a reason why the price will hold up with him. He was beaten uh, by Wink of an Eye at, at Goodwood. Uh, it was pretty close between the pair of them, only a neck in it at the line. Um, but um, uh, he's now four pounds worse off because um, he went up three pounds for finishing second. The winner went up four pounds. He's then won at Ascot since, and he's gone up five pounds for that win. So he ends up meeting uh, his old rival on worse terms. And strictly people, strictly speaking, people will look at the form book and say, horse A beat horse B. Horse A now meets horse B on better terms. Well, any fool know horse A is going to beat horse B again. Um, but what you should always do with these races is don't simply look, don't uh, look to rule horses out um, based on one piece of information. Look at um, which horses you should be having on a short list based on their profile. Um, and then, you know, if it comes down to you end up with a short list of state of, state of bliss and wink of an eye, you might decide you want to go with wink of an eye. But don't be ruling state of bliss out of this because, because he's worse off at the weights with one runner. Um, he's clearly progressive. If wink of an eye wasn't in the race, we wouldn't be talking about his handicap mark being too much for him. We'd be talking about this is the kind of horse you want for a big handicap. A three-year-old who's progressing at the right stage of the season and who's unexposed to the trip, which is exactly what he was. There have only been two three-year-old winners of this race since 2006, and both of those were trained by Mark Johnson. I say. Uh, they're very significant. And the other interesting fact about it is that the, the, the first thing I looked at was just the profile of winners of this. And the vast majority of them have been, have been younger horses, four-year-olds, uh, have won the last, uh, I was going to say seven runnings. It was a dead heat um, in 2015 between two four-year-olds. So you've, the only horses older than four who've won this in the last 15 years are um, the classy Chancery, yeah. um, who was a very good horse when things clicked for him, and um, a crack and tour for Tim Easterby, who was a 33 to one winner of this um, back in the day. So you do tend to... You know, the history of the race suggests you're looking for unexposed horses um, who, who still have improvement in them uh, rather than, you know, looking for horses with previous form, um, which is generally what you're looking for in, in, in older horse handicaps. Um, but that's why I'm keen on State of Bliss. Um, there are very few three-year-olds in the race, Wink of an Eye obviously being another one. Um, but while Wink of an Eye is going to be very well fined in the market, he's probably going to go off seven to two or four to one for this. State of Bliss will, will stay a double-figure price simply because of the relationship between him and Wink of an Eye um, and the obvious collateral form, uh, whereas I think he holds up very nicely in terms of his relationship with the rest of the field. So I'm not, I'm not, making, an ex, I'm not um, making a prediction that he will turn the form around with Wink of an Eye, um, other than these things can be turned around. But I think in terms of uh, how well he's liable to run, um, I think he's overpriced here compared to um, more exposed rivals. And although he's drawn out in Stoll 18 and, and wide draws haven't done particularly well so far at the meeting, the, a lot of those uh, early races um, have been over shorter trips, the mile and a half. Um, as I said in the, uh, in the prelim, it's never a massive disadvantage to be drawn wide over a mile and a half, so long as you believe you can win from there. Um, again, as I've said on, on, on numerous occasions, often trainers or jockeys think they can't win from a wide draw and they automatically try to do something different by 
taking back and heading towards the inside. Um, but if you think you can do that, you have to have a stone in hand to give up 10 lengths and go to the inside of the track. Um, so I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping he's ridden to his draw um, because it shouldn't be that difficult for him to slot across. He's got the early speed if he wants to use it to get a good position, um, or he could just sit a little bit further back in the field as he did at Ascot last time. It shouldn't be a problem to him at all. Um, he's been very consistent this year. He handles quick ground. It was a little bit softer at Ascot last time out, but I don't think that's the reason for the improvement. Um, he just He's just a horse who's, who's very consistent uh, and gradually progressive. As you can see from his form figures, he hasn't been out of the first three and uh, his last seven or eight runs. And that's always a positive in a handicapper. I like it. I like the analysis. So a uh, favourable mention from Lucy and a very favourable mention from Rory for State of Bliss from Mark Johnston and Nicola Curry. Dark Jedi uh, is the horse for Lucy and I, uh, but Rory has made a pretty compelling case there. The 225 sees the people's horse back in action. I had the pleasure of talking to John Gosling on TalkSport 2 uh, the other day, and um, he was full of beans about Stradivarius and... Um, very frustrated about the defeat uh, in the Gold Cup. Actually said, we were never really in the race. So uh, take that, Frankie. And uh, then frustrated about having to come out of Goodwood as well. But reports him to be in good form. Um, the plan is to go here and then the Doncaster Cup. Um, so he wants to, to try and, and keep the, the cup races going. Um, so he's 11 to 8 is the current best price about Stradivarius, the three-time uh, Gold Cup winner, Spanish Mission for Andrew Balding has uh, been crushed down to 11-4 to four, alongside Trushan, who may or may not run. Um, and uh, Ryan Moore has been booked by Willie Mullins for Stratham, uh, who won, of course, uh, last time out on the flats at uh, Ascot. Um, Lucy, is this all about Stradivarius? I hope so. I was surprised that they took him out at Goodwood. Was it the ground was too went against him? I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they just they they were not happy with the ground at all. But I I was quite surprised because he has won on all types of ground. He to me didn't strike me as a horse that was so ground dependent um, before that. So anyway, I I think yeah, um, this time around uh, at York, I think he's going to have a he's got a smaller runner field. I think his runner Ascot. I think everybody was um, frustrated because he came around the bend um, at Ascot with two and a half furlongs to go. And um, Frankie was a, a little way back and um, had a fair bit of ground to make up. But I think everybody thought that Stradivarius was going to do it because it's Stradivarius. Um, but looking back on it, he probably was a bit too far back. And I think everybody was screaming at the tellies. Um, unfortunately, I was one of them. Um, but, <laughs> He's such a superstar, this horse. Um, and I think, obviously, he's won this in the, this race in the past. Um, he's He's got a nice weight, I thought, this this time as well. Um, I, well, that's if Trushan does turn up because he'll be carrying top weight. So mm. that rem- that does remain to be seen because I thought if, if Trushan shows up, then obviously he's giving um, Stradivarius three pounds. So that's very interesting um, if you look at it from that term um, as well. But yeah, I, I do think Stradivarius is the one to be. I I, um, I do like the Grand Vizier, but not at York. I think he ran a tremendous race at Ascot, Royal Ascot. He runs well there, but he's probably he's not good enough. I, I wouldn't have thought to be um, chasing home Stradivarius in, in this race. So 
I really hope um, he's back on song Stradivarius and I think the good good ground, I don't think ground was a problem, so I was quite surprised they did take him out at Goodwood. But anyway, hopefully John Gosson's got him um, just where he wants him and he can take another another victory in this race. Delargy. Um, uh, listen, the key, is, the key is what happens with the grounds. Um, yeah, I, I take I take the point about um, Stradivarius and the ground, but John Gosson said from day one that, that he prefers... Um, quick grind that he's disappointed he's been below form on a number of occasions on um on uh, very soft ground um but he's also run his his arguably his very best race on soft ground when winning last year's gold cup although um beating Nayaf road is looking less like top class form than mm. uh, than it did um the one thing i would say there is soft grind in the straight at Asker, um where you know that's when he was asked to race he sort of lobbed along and it was asked to quicken it's the first time we've seen him quicken clear of his field um, normally it's a case of trying to get his head in front as late as possible. And for a horse whose who's biggest asset is a turn of foot, you can see why connections always want to have goodish grind um, for that. Um, ironically, the one horse is really, well, there's several of them are grind dependent in this. It's a strange one. If there's no more rain, the, the going is good to firm at the moment at, at, at York by my, you know, we can't be getting close to course records without the grind being very close to good to firm. Um, and if it stays like this, you'd have to say Aaron King is going to is going to um, take True Shan out again. Otherwise, it looks a bit strange because there are plenty of options for him. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go to Doncaster, ask it at the end of the season is really important. You can go, to, you can go to Longchamp at the end of the season. So Irish and like, Ledger. There's a yeah, Irish and Ledger if he wants to do that. Um, um, so I don't see I don't see any problem with taking him out here if if you know if he thought that it was it was um, a big enough deal to take him out at, at Ascot for the Gold Cup, like the staying race of the season then you'd almost have to take him out here. You look a bit daft if you don't. Um, and that makes it slightly less uh, appealing from, a, from a, um, a punting perspective. Stratton doesn't want fast ground either. Uh, and bless him, the ground vizier is not quite up to this unless they unless they allow him to get loose on the lead, which is a possibility because there's an, a, it, with Trushan out um, and Trushan not really being a, he's not a diagonal front runner either. There's no front runner in the race. Um, so if Trushan doesn't run, then there's a question about who does go on. Um, and I just thought the Grand Vizier is the obvious one because he stays all day um, and is kind of doing everyone else a favour as well. So um, he might uh, he might go on. And of course, if they just let him, if they let him loose, um, if they judge the fractions wrong, then even though he's not as good as a couple of others in the race, that, that could be decisive. We've seen that often enough at York in the past. But all things being equal, Spanish mission should win this. He's ahead of Stradivarius. So, so, listen, everyone's made far too much of Frankie's ride on Stradivarius in the Gold Cup. And Frankie's given Stradivarius um, a number of absolutely top-notch rides uh, to win races in the past. Um, the bottom line with Stradivarius at Ascot is he didn't travel well enough for Frankie to keep him out of trouble. Yeah, he needs really. cover. And in the past, he's had cover. And then Frankie's been able to say, right, we need to, we need to get out of here now. And Stradivarius has responded instantly. He didn't respond instantly at Ascot. And then Frankie found himself in a pocket with no choice about what he could do from there. Um, he was kept in a pocket by Princess Zoe. Um, and then when the pacemaker dropped through the field, um, you know, Frankie couldn't get out of the way. Uh, he wasn't sitting there, you know, counting his percentages. Um, Frankie's not the kind of jockey um, on a big occasion who, you know, doesn't think about what eventualities there are. Um, he's he's a very good jockey like that. And essentially for, for the first time in a long time in, in a race like that, um, th this brilliant horse wasn't at his best and wasn't able to help Frankie out. When he did get into the clear, he didn't make he didn't make enough ground 
to think that he was an unlucky loser. Um, and he didn't really uh, make any more ground from the rear of the field than Spanish Mission did. And Spanish Mission doesn't really stay two and a half miles. So given the Spanish Mission beat him at Ascot, um, and too much has been made of, of the ground that Stradivarius lost in that race, I think Spanish Mission should be a much shorter price to beat him. I'd, I'd have them virtually the same price. Wow. Um, the, the only thing that makes Stradivarius shorter is just his back catalogue. Um, but I don't, I don't think he's looked as good this season uh, as he has before. And indeed, you can say that through half of last season as well. You know, his last five or six runs suggest that, that his mantle has slipped a little bit. Um, Spanish Mission would prefer a decent pace, um, but if the ground stays very fast um, and the ground vizier does go off and they don't just let him, let him do that, he's got a bit of a turn of foot for a stayer. Um, and he, he loves to hear his, his uh, hooves rattle. So the faster, the better for him. Um, he, he ran an absolute cracker out in, out in um, Saudi Arabia in um, uh, the Red Sea Turf Handicap, which might as well have been a Group 2 race, uh, given the, uh, the horses who are running in that. Um, and um, he might have won that if it had been a stronger pace. Uh, they didn't go particularly fast there, which doesn't suit his style of running. But, um, yeah, the, the, only, the only downside with Spanish Mission here is that uh, without Trushan, um, there might not be an awful lot of pace in the race and it could turn messy. Uh, which wouldn't suit him, but I just I just don't think Stradivarius has quite got that old kick that he used to have, and that makes him very vulnerable here. I wouldn't want to back him at eleven to eight, um, but then again, I wouldn't want to back Strata either. Um, so the the obvious way forward is is back in Spanish Mission, unless it rains. If it rains, everything changes. Yeah. If it, if it rains heavily and Trushan runs, and I fancy Trushan, but it doesn't look very likely to happen, to be honest. It's not in the forecast, um, but then again, no. I mean, the forecast wrong. has been wrong often enough this yeah. year for you to think that it might happen. So obviously, you know, if it does, I want to say, you know, I completely change my plans if if it if it pours down. I'm expecting that the, the ground to be on the fast side of good, um, or even faster than the fast side of good. And in in that scenario, I think Spanish Mission is the horse to beat. Okay. 11 to 4 about Spanish mission uh, for Rory Delargy. Can he upset Stradivarius? Uh, the next race is our third on the card, the Albastia Equiol Dubai. Uh, Jim Crackstakes, who I believe they sponsor Nick Luck's show, don't they? Looking Sunday. Pretty sure they do. The Coventry winner, uh, Berkshire Shadow, is back for Oshin Murphy and Andrew Balding. 7 to 2. Uh, LaSalle is currently favourite. 5 to 2 for Richard Hannon and Pat Dobbs. With um, vintage clarets in there as well for for uh, Richard Fahey uh, and a number of horses who either have plenty of experience or are unexposed, like Last Crusader, for example, who's by Oasis Dream and wears first time cheek pieces for Carl Burke and Daniel Tudhut. There's also some very expensive horses in here. So, Lucy, who is the horse that you will be siding with? Well, I'm going to take a plunge on one. Um... That's probably a bit of a big plunge, but I do quite like his credentials. Um, that's the Kevin Ryan horse, uh, Gitta Sub. Go on, Lucy! Come on, Lucy! Yes! Um, yeah, I just think Kevin Ryan um, has spoken about this horse. This was his target um, or, or since his win at Pontefracti. Mm-hmm. He, was, uh, he, he had the gym crack in mind for this horse. Um, and I think his run last time out on the good soft ground was probably uh, probably hindered his um, his running because he was beaten. He was six of seven in the Group Two Richmond Stakes, but yeah, that was on good soft ground. And he's got course experience here at York, having uh, ran here on it on his debut run, and um, beaten only a nose as well into second, and that was on good firm ground. So 
Um, and then he obviously went on to win at Pontefract and beat uh, a nice, a nice horse, Hello, um, Hello, my darling of George Bowie's. So I think he, given the fact that Kevin Ryan has um, targeted this horse for this race, and given the fact he's got course experience and hopefully uh, good to firm ground, I think he he has a strong chance. But it's a really, I think this is a really good race. Um, I thought Berkshire Shallow might be favourite. But perhaps um, the Rich Hannon horse, Lucille, will come in for some more support. But yeah, I thought Berkshire Shadow, um, obviously given his Royal Ascot victory over six furlongs, that was good firm ground as well. He was beaten last time out in the in the vintage state, sorry, at Goodwood. That was over seven. So Andrew Balding dropping this horse back in trip. And he was a winner over five at Newbury and actually got a bonus that day. Um, so he, he's won plenty of money already, this horse, uh, Berkshire Shadow for real inform trainer, Andrew Balding. And then you've got um, Edward Bethel's horse, Fear By, as well, who um, has been running over the minimum trip, but but running really well. And um, I thought, yeah, I think this is a really strong race. Richard Fye's horse, Vintage Carrots, shouldn't ignore him as well. Um, he ran really well at Royal Ascot. I actually, I actually bet on him that day. He was a huge price. Um, I think that was in the Group 2 Coventry Stakes around... Um, really well to finish third and that was behind Berkshire Shadow um, and he, he's better off at the weights in this race I think he's giving Berkshire Shadow three pounds so vintage carrots fascinating runner I think Richard Fye is having a bit of a quiet spell but you wouldn't be surprised if a horse like this could could get him back on the score sheet but my selection will be Kevin Ryan just given the fact that he has a lot of confidence behind this horse um, and Kevin Ryan's two-year-old's running well a yard that's the uh, no stranger to group group race victory um, in the two-year-old division. So I really like Giz- Sub. I'm delighted again that you said that. I'm a huge fan of this horse. I thought that his defeat to Bosch, which by the way is a fantastic show and is available on Amazon Prime, uh, was a great education at York. So he has that experience. He's then won and um, he's not beaten far at Goodwood. He's only beaten two and three-quarter lengths, but... Soft ground probably didn't help him, and uh, by acclamation, good to firm ground will very much suit. 18s, 18 to 1, gives us up coming out of store for Rory DeLargy. Follow that. Uh, I thought uh, gives us up was the each way bet in the race. Um, I Come thought, on, DeLargy! Come on, Rory! The three of us are for it. I think Lucille should be a shorter price than he is. I think he's a really, really strong favourite. I, I don't understand why he's so weak in the market. Um, he's beaten um, uh, group winners, beat a group two winner and a group one winner in uh, in winning the July stakes in a really fast time last time out. He looks, he, he relishes fast grind. He's got lots of speed um, and he really should be a shorter price favourite. But there are lots of horses I don't like in this. The two I did were Lucille. And I thought the only way Lucille would get beat in this race was if um, Giza Sub got loose in the lead and, uh, and stole it from the front, which I thought was a real possibility. Um, so he wasn't my he wasn't my first pick in the race, but he was the one other horse aside from the seal that I thought offered value. And uh, for once in your life, Emmett, this is your opportunity of playing the exactor without me going off. Oh, for God's sake, <laughs> get get yourself to gam care. Um, <laughs> I think I think that this does make a lot of sense. I think that um, although they're good horses, the second, third, sorry, the first, second, and third in the Coventry 
um, were helped massively by the fact that that race was run. One of a couple of races on the straight course at Royal Ascot where the leaders went stupidly fast. I mean, stupidly fast. Um, and they all felt that they all fell in a hole. And the first three came from well off the pace to finish first, second and third. Uh, the other race where they did that, we'll get on to later, um, was the, uh, the King's Stand. Um, where they went, they went a crazy pace, and again, it was the the hold up horses who came through to dominate that. Um, in the end, um, so while Berkshire Shadow was a, a decent horse, um, he was very well suited by an overly strong pace at a stiff six furlongs. I'm not sure, especially given how he shaped at um, at Goodwood last time out, whether he. I don't think he wants a quick six furlongs at all. Uh, he's also drawn right on the wing, which I don't think is a positive. Uh, and again, the, the Perry were second and third, so were just slightly flattered by the fact that, you know, the race was set up for them. That's also true to a degree of Fearby, um, who was really impressive at Sandown, again in a race where the leaders went too fast for the conditions um, over five furlongs. And that pulled, he was off the bridle before a few, um, but he was a stronger stayer than most in that race. And he came through to win really impressively. But again, his Goodwood run is a slightly more, is a, probably a better indicator of his... Um, of his absolute ability than, than the romp at Sandown. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're pretty much singing from the, um, um, from the same hymn sheet here. Uh, as I said, um, you know, because I, I'm fairly negative about a, a number of these towards the head of the market. Um, I mean, Barsha Shadow was going on really nicely at the end of the race at, at, um, at Goodwood, um, but he'd have been well beaten at six furlongs in that mm -hmm. contest. So he seems ridiculous. I mean, I love the, I love the, the stable, and I, and I was with this horse in the Coventry, um, but I wouldn't be backing him at 130 here. Um, Eldrick Jones is, is arguably the one of those that I've mentioned that's that's a little bit overpriced because he's had no luck in running in either the July Stakes or um, in the um, uh, in the superlative. It's um, not the superlative, sorry, the vintage of Goodwood last time out. Um, that he was badly hampered in that race when trying to come with a run, um, and he was drawn on the wrong side of the track in the July stakes. So I can see him closing the gap there. I can see him getting closer to, um, to Berkshire Shadow. Um, but it's a little bit of a stretch to see him winning this race. Um, and then, as I said, you just go through the field and you go, well, I'm not mad on you, I'm not mad on you. You're a bit flattered by that form line. And the one you, you look at, the one horse who, who's better than his run last time, I just gives a sub. Um, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't just blaze with him at Goodwood. Um, and, and that's what made that race a bit of a mess. Um, because I think everyone expected that Gizza Sub would go on and go fast in the Richmond Stakes, and he was the only obvious front runner in the race. And if you watch that race back again, it turns into a you know there are lots of hard luck stories in that because it didn't go very fast. And for a six furlong race at, at Goodwood, you don't expect them to sort of crawl along for the first couple of furlongs. And that is a bit harsh to say they crawled along, but it wasn't it wasn't the race you expected it to be. And Gizza Sub was not at all suited by being. Um, held up's the wrong word he, you know he was he, he didn't go to the front and he pulled quite hard then because he wanted to get on with things and I, I guess when you've got a horse like that you want to say we want we don't want you to be one dimensional we want to see if you'll if you'll settle under restraint so we can different ways of riding you but it didn't work at Goodwood and I think that makes me even more certain that they're going to just go out and let him rule along here um, and if that's the case uh, I don't think many of these will go with him really um Lucille might end up being his, his closest challenge earlier on, but I think Lucille, you know, Pat Dawes will not be in a massive rush to... Let's, uh, ju let's, just, let's just go. Let's go! 16s! Gives us up. 
Right, we're done. But yeah, but 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 do include this. The seal, the seal should have this round to suit him. There's, you know, that you don't want to be against him at all. So we're having, so, uh, we're having the up, the exacta. Do have the reverse exacta as well, because as I said, those I can I can see a blindingly obvious way this race is going to be run that will suit the pair of them. Um, the one thing you don't want to see is Gisasov go on, and then Pat Dobson the seal go straight up to him to uh, to join battle. And that's the one scenario that could blow everything out of the water. As long as Gisasov gets a reasonably easy lead and, and Lucille is is um, sort of tracks the pace without putting pressure on it, then that gives the pair of them their maximum chance of winning. Okay, uh, so we're all with Gisasov for the three o'clock at York. The last race that we're going to look at on Friday is the Coolmore Wooden Bassett Nunthorpe Stakes, the group one where Seuss Swaysa, yeah, let's go with that. Uh, William Buick on board is the 11 to 4 favourite. Golden Pal, who wears first time tongue tie, and Wesley Ward has said maybe the best he has trained. Mm-hmm. Frankie Dettori on board for the lads. Uh, and again, Mr. Vesterberg uh, has invested uh, in this horse. So um, Coolmore continued to have uh, more support from the grandson of the founder of Opal, who's a Billionaire. Uh, three to one. Best price you can get about Golden Pal, but he is closing. Uh, Winter Power, 11 to two. And Dragon Symbol, who Oshin Murphy told us weeks and weeks and weeks ago that this was the plan. 13 to two is the best you can get about him. Um, so for our final race on Friday, Lucy, what is your thoughts on the feature race, the Group 1, Coolmore and Nunthorpe Stakes? Great race. Really hard to choose the winner from, I thought. Um, I really like Winter Power. Um, she let me down a bit yeah. at Royal Ascot in the King Stand, but didn't have much luck in running. Um, and she was on this um, stands rail at, at Royal Ascot and was just um, sort of caught behind the wall of horses that day in the King Stand. She was very well fancied going into the race as well, but she has tremendous record um, at York, tremendous amount of speed, loves quick ground, um, loves five furlongs. So I think she's... Um, a, a very good um, bet at the prices, um, considering what she's she's shown us so far. Just Group One quality is is the only question mark. But as I say, she was very very well fancy going to the King Stand uh, at Royal Ascot. That was in Group One company. Um, but yeah, she hasn't yet done it in in that higher level. But I don't think she's far off. Um, she has the Phillies allowance as well um, in this race. She's a three year old, um, and uh, obviously. All the three-year-olds are towards the top of the market. Um, yeah, Golden Powell, very short, I thought. Um, I haven't seen it. Obviously, he hasn't been on... Well, he ran at Royal Ascot last season, but hasn't run over here since. Um, he was just touched off in the, in the Norfolk last season by the Learjet, so that was a really good run. And we have to take Wesley Ward's word for this horse, um, as you say, going into it. Um, he, he, he obviously thinks he's a tremendous horse. Um, and then you've got Sueza, who did so well to win at Goodwood last time out. And I thought she, yeah, I thought she appreciates the, a little softer uh, going. So York is, is bound to be very quick um, tomorrow. And whether that will be um, to her disadvantage, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But I thought that was a, a tremendous win last time out. And she was quite overlooked that day in the market. So yeah, she she brings a, a lot of good form to the table, and Dragon Symbol has been incredibly unlucky in in well the, the majority of his races this mm. season. Obviously, Oshie thinks the world of this horse, um, and you wouldn't think he's too far off. He's just been so unlucky. 
Um, and he's very versatile ground-wise, uh, so wouldn't be concerned about that. Um, but yeah, I really like Winter Power. I think she has home advantage, course advantage. Um, uh, yeah, and as I say, she's got the Phillies allowance. Tim Rees in tremendous form. His yard are just, I think this is probably the, um, looking like one of his best seasons. His, his horses are just running um, to a really good standard this year. And I think hopefully she can get get back to uh, well, I said get back to me when she won last time out. That wasn't a listed race, so she just needs to prove her her standard at Group One level. But I think given her horse and distance form, I think she's she's very appealing. She's a fascinating runner. I, I think the interesting thing with Golden Pal, who we saw York tweeted out a video of him breezing under Frankie Dettori during the week at the track, is that. Uh, Coolmore obviously felt that they had some kind of a sprinter in the making with Aiden, which hasn't worked out, Rory, mm. because they ended up buying Golden Pal in June. Was it July or June that the sale went through? They bought him outright. Um, they bought him outright in in June. Um, and uh, obviously they've had a long association with, with Wesley Ward. He's kind of usurped Todd Fletcher as their main American trainer. Um and he makes the trip over. But it is, as Lucy says, look, we haven't seen him since Royal Ascot. That was a fine run. He was unlucky that day. But you are taking Wesley Ward's word on it. So he's coming at a stall one. He wears a first-time tongue tie. Frankie's on board. We know what he'll do. He'll almost certainly blaze the blaze the trail. Um, and that should that should suit, because he's he's very quickly away from the stalls. That's another thing that, that's in his in his advantage. So the fact that he's going to be up with the pace, maybe it's just going to be a little bit too difficult to reel back. It's possible, but th- there are plenty of um, there are plenty of horses in this race with a lot of early speed as well, and it may well be because you know he's he's US trained and, and they really have. Um, tremendous gate speed as they say there um that he might just be able to pop out and 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 get in front of the other potential front runners break their hearts early and then i mean if if, if i'm told this something's won this race by five lengths i'm inclined to believe it might have been him but the problem is we've been told he's the best of wesley ward's train but the race course performances although they're very they don't really back that up so far and it's very hard to look at you know he he, he destroyed um, his rivals for a mid-race speed at Saratoga last time out, but that was a fairly thin um, grade three contest. And they don't, the Americans don't really do turf sprinters, do they? No. Name me an American turf sprinter. Um, um, Acapulco. Not, not an easy. Ac- Acapulco, <laughs> Lady Aurelia. You're, you're, well, no, that you're, you're then basically saying you're looking at, at Wesley Ward sprinters who've raced in Europe. Yeah, uh, it's not. What I mean is, there's no there's no great depth uh, to the competition there because the, the the Americans don't particularly like racing on on turf, um, and they're they're not mad about their idea of a sprinter as a horse who who um, it's very odd. It's a very compressed thing. We 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 do um, we do sprinting. We do horses who are very fast at five furlongs. We do stairs over two and a half miles. In the states, a sprinter is a six and a half seven furlong horse for them. Uh, and a stairs a mile and three eighths, mm. so everything everything's compressed into a much shorter um, span of distances. He might be an absolute superstar, but it's impossible to tell that um, based on on the information that we have, other than the fact that his trainer knows a very good horse when he sees one. 
But I, I was speaking to someone else earlier today and I said, you know, 20 years ago, if, if Wes Ward wasn't the kind of trainer who liked to say how good his horses were and he brought this horse over given the form that he's shown, he'd be a tiny to one shot. Yeah. Because all we know about him is he's won a couple of exes in the States and he was beaten in a two-year-old race, beaten in the Norfolk the Royal Aspen. Getting beaten in the Norfolk doesn't, doesn't put you in the first 40 sprinters in the country the following season under normal circumstances. So basically we've, we've just been listening to the stories about how good he is and we believe them. Uh, and, and they may be absolutely correct because you know, there's no reason why Wes Ward um, has to talk up portions who are not outstanding as being outstanding. He tends to be pretty straight with them. He's not in here to land gambles. Um, so, you know, it's probably worth listening to him to some degree, but the betting completely um, reflects that. As I said, if he was the kind of trainer who didn't um, big his horses up, uh, this horse wouldn't be any more new favoritism, favoritism for the race. Um, so I'm not saying he can't win it. I think there's a chance that he could end up being different class to, to rivals in this contest. Stall one's not ideal um, if he just sticks to the rail. It's not. It's, it, it doesn't have a, a better regular um, than other stalls that you're. You'd rather be low than high, um, but it's not one. Of, it's not like Chester, where the lower you are, the better. Um, and I think if Frankie does get out in front, he'll probably want to come towards the middle to a degree in the early stages, not all the way across, um, but he'd probably want to stay off the, the, the rail. Swayze, on the other hand, is drawn on the other side. Now, um, a few people have said, I've heard people saying that, oh, she wants soft ground. She doesn't want soft ground. She's won on soft ground because she's been campaigned in France. But the reason they brought her over twice to the UK and are bringing over for the third time now is because they, the connections think she's better on good ground. Mm. Um, so I have to hammer that home. Um, they do not think she's a soft ground performer and they think the reason she was beaten um, at Royal Alaska when she was favourite to beat Dragon Symbol because the ground went to... Now you can look in a form book and it says the ground was heavy when she when she won um, earlier in the season, but her class has, has pointed there. And as I said, um, the, the belief of her trainer um, has been that um, she's a better filly on, on good grind. Whether she handles really quick grind is another matter altogether. Um, and, you know, if it stays very fast uh, or gets faster rather, um, then that's a slight question mark for her, as is being drawn in stall 14. Now, she was really impressive, but everything else in the race seemed to be in a hurry to get on the slowest grind. It was a, one of the strangest races I've seen in a long time. Um, horses who were drawn really well, the jockeys seemed to be at pains not to race where everyone thought the best grind was and they all wanted to get across to the far side which was the worst place you could possibly weak at Goodwood uh, and therefore Swayze was definitely given an advantage and that she just stayed where she was and you, you could have driven, driven several buses through the gap that she came through in the end um, it was still a, still a good looking performance to put the distance she did between herself and the runner up um, but it wasn't a special performance on the clock so it was a little bit of a question mark with her and the, I like Winter Power as well uh, I've always liked Winter Power. I really fancied her at Royal Ascot. She wasn't unlucky there as such. Um, she just went too hard and couldn't keep going at that at that pace. She did get crossed by Batash late in the day, but she was weakening at the time. She was ahead of Batash with a furlong to run, um, and she was weakening from a furlong out um, before other horses sort of came across her. Um, and that would be the concern. She loves York. York will suit her a lot better. I, I fancy her more than more than most of the head of the market, but I'm slightly concerned that given Sylvester D'Souza went really hard at Ascot and then kicked on again with two furlongs to run, um, if he tries the same thing, if he tries to match with Golden Pal and then try to kick again at halfway, um, that could be destructive to his chances. Um, but she's got a lot of natural speed and that she can find her own position 
rhythm, then she's got a fair chance of winning this. Um, there's enough, there's too much of a chance of a, a, a real battle for the lead, um, which um, which will not help um, some of these horses for me to be confident about that, though. And the more I look at it, the more I'm just looking for a horse to come through and hit the frame at a big price. I'm looking for a horse who will who will love being towed along, doesn't need to to um, uh, to lead, and and when a few of these are stopping at the end, will be close enough to be able to run into the frame and maybe if it all falls apart as it has. And I mean, when Alpha Delphini won this, no one could possibly yeah. see him beating Batash. Um, so the one that I quite like in that mould is Emma Ratiana, mm. who's drawn nicely in the middle. His form at six furlongs, he, he, you know, he's taken on the best sprinters at six furlongs, come up short t- time and time again. His record at five furlongs is better, and um, he had no trouble getting past Kea Moro, who was second in this last, last year at Hamilton last time out. Um, and he was he was happy to take a lead that day. Um, so he tends to race reasonably close to the pace, but he, he's happier taking a lead than he is dominating. And I can see him travelling nicely midfield here or a little bit further forward of midfield. And then if they do go ridiculously fast, there is this notion that the horses who ride the back will come through and win it. But actually, the horses in here who are six furlong horses will struggle with the pace and they won't get going in time. You want a horse who's comfortable with five furlong pace and is therefore close enough that if there is a collapse, they might just be able to fall across in front. Um, and he's one of those. Um, you know, I, I like horses like Ch- as well, but you know, she stays a, a stiff six furlongs. And a, a sharp five might just be too sharp for her. Um, Gill could get involved. He does have a, he's got a very good record at York as well. He does have a little bit of missing the break. Um, and if he does that, that might put him in a poor position. It's one of those races. I, I There's not a really, really strong case for anything in the race. Um, that is to say, you know, every horse that you can make a strong case for, you can, you can find a negative easy enough. Mm. Um, so I'm so I'm looking for something at 33 to one and upwards that that I think will just enjoy the run of the race and run reasonably well. And Emma Ratiana um, is the one that um, that jumps out to me. I think this race. Sorry to interrupt. Right. This Chipotle running as a two-year-old. I think this is quite interesting, isn't it? I think very brave shout from Eve Johnson Horton. Um, obviously, this race opens two-year-olds as well so that's quite unique isn't it we've had there's been a, a couple of um of two-year-old winners of this race yeah, yeah. there haven't been many runners recently mm. uh yes um when uh, when uh when soul par won downing star spangled banner uh indeed yeah uh kingsley the native one as a two-year-old lyric fantasy one as a two-year-old so you know if you've got if you have blinding speed you get plenty of weight here as a two-year-old yeah. As well, well worth um, throwing them in. And Chipotle is one of those, you know, the faster the ground, the better for him. He was really impressive at, uh, at Ascot. Um, he got absolutely murdered in the Super Sprint. He must have heard five times mm. in that race. So he's, I think he finished ninth in the end, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why they ran at Goodwood. I do not know why they ran him at Goodwood, other than to keep him ticking over because he's shown in the past he doesn't handle soft ground. So really fast ground is the key to him. Um, and yeah, but at around, if you get 33s about him, he's he's an interesting enough runner in the race as well. But he's, those are the kind of horses you're after, horses with speed, but who don't need to dominate to show their form. And I think too many of those towards the head of the market probably either do need to dominate or would be better over six furlongs. Um, yeah. And it's an interesting it's an interesting mix as a result. 
I think he's fascinating as well. The term, you know, he won the Brockles speech, so he must have been very, very precocious. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yes, I just thought it was very fascinating. No, he, he's, he, he's a good shout, and um, he's 66 to 1. Uh, so it, w- it would be remiss of us not to mention him. And um, uh, with the way the race is going to be run, it's entirely possible that he could be one who who um, gets involved in the finish as well. So uh, good shout. Uh, very good shout indeed. And he can track the leaders from, from stall 10. We'll see how the race unfolds. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. I'm, I'm You'll have to tell us where you're getting the 66 to 1 from. Uh, we can all take advantage of it. 66 to I think 1. That seems unlikely. 66 to 1 is available with uh, Paddy Power, uh, Bet365. Oh, well, well, that's um, crikey, yes. And that is uh, four places as well. That's absolutely huge. That is, that's just not the right price. Well, I if you can, if you can still get that, get that price when the uh, when the show airs, you got to take it. <laughs> Holly does. <laughs> Holly does well. If you're betting on her at six to one, that's a that's a positive. Yeah. Um, well, I shall be I should be doing my usual and taking one place less, back in at three places at eighty to one if I can. Cool. I'm getting two quid on it, no time, but still. Yeah, I've just been told one twelve, so uh, one one euro and twelve cents. So yeah. Uh, anyway, good luck to you getting the sixty sixes after we've um, after we've aired this. This is the the joy of tote, though. Uh, as well, I, listen, I, I, if should, you, I should also as I said, if you can get thirty three to one, that's actually a really good price. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying he's guaranteed to 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 um, to to win or be placed, but 33 to one is a very fair price in the context of this race. So 66 to one is a daft price. So 66 to one about Chipotle. Fifty uh, is about Emirati Emirati Anna. Uh, Winter Power. Sixty-six to one about you pronouncing his name correctly. <laughs> Winter Power. I'm doing the double. Winter Power is eleven Chipotle to two. To win and Emmett to say Chipotle correctly. And uh, and the winner, Dragon Symbol, is thirteen to two. Go on, Oshin. Go on, my son. Uh, we'll be talking to. Yeah, you. listen. He was. He was much better than Rosaldo Gubu, wasn't he? Oh, of course he was. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I think the question with him is whether whether um, a, a really fast five furlongs on quick grinds um, is enough of a test for him because he stays six furlongs really well. Oh, I'm pretty pretty convinced that he will. So we'll we'll find out. Uh, Everyone's connections are all. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. Whatever, Jalari. Whatever. Anyway, look, we'll talk to Oshin Murphy tomorrow on Talksport Two. Uh, Simon Holt will be alongside me doing the analysis, uh, and he will have uh, some job to follow up the tips from Lucy Russell Hughes today, who absolutely smashed it. Uh, so we're live from one PM, racing live on Talksport Two, and uh, should be a lot of fun as we broadcast from York. As for Tote, well, I mean, they just continue to up the game. Uh, the Tote place pot. You can now do the day before and get the benefit of place pot insurance. This is only available at tote.co.uk, tote.e, or the official place tote place pot app. If you place your place pot bet before eleven fifty nine, so the races that are selected uh, for this week are Friday, York, Saturday, York, obviously. Uh, so if you place your your bet before 11.59 for the following day uh, you will get your money back to a maximum of 10 euro should none of your selections place in the first race that's incredibly fair uh, the refund will be in your account very very quickly but again uh, they will select certain meetings and this week 
Friday, York, Saturday, York. So best of luck with that. Um, as I was saying, you can also stream every single race live on Toast just by having a deposit in your account. So once you've made a deposit, you can watch whatever race you want in the UK and Ireland. Uh, and Tote is also launching the Tote Guarantee across all UK and Ireland race meetings. The guarantee is where the Tote win bet will be settled at the higher of the Tote dividend or the starting price, the SP as regulated by the Starting Price Regulatory Commission, as well as having Tote Plus, where in all Tote pools where the little symbol, Tote Plus, is there, and it's pretty much every single racing pool, you will get a 10% bonus on top of your dividend. So 10% bigger than the standard Tote dividend with Tote Plus, and you've got the Tote guarantee. What are you waiting for? There's so much gravy, so much value out there. Tote.co.uk and Tote.ie. Sign up now and get the gravy. Uh, I had to fade down Delargy in his rant. Uh, normally, it's me ranting. So, 150 <laughs> on, on Saturday. Um, as he's real world, who has been, uh, well, his form has been franked with Astro King running a, a monstrous race uh, today. So, impressive winner at Ascot. He's then uh, carried that forward at Newbury. I thought it was a really impressive performance. And um, Marco Gianni gets on extremely well with this horse for Saeed Bin Saror. He's a very short price, six to four favorite uh, for the race. Um, does he deserve to be a, so short, though, Rory? Have you have you fitted me back up again? I have. You're back on. <laughs> right. So what are we? What, sorry, where are we now? What are you talking about now? The hell where are you doing? What's going on with you? <laughs> the last podcast we did last podcast we did together you were eating a homemade pizza which well, which made you know, me starving by the way kept, that's because you kept changing the time and I was hungry I was that's because bloody Tom Bull decided oh I'm off to go work for Racing TV yeah because the TV is more important than a podcast uh, well done Tom Tom was on uh, was it Stratford he was at today uh, for Racing TV he's crushing it and we'll be back on the pod soon well done Tom um, but uh yeah, so we, we changed the time, and um, we come on, and he's eating a pizza. And the only thing I wanted to do, Lucy, was just let Rory talk away, get in the car, and go to four-star pizza. But no, I, I, I couldn't do that <laughs> to get the podcast uploaded. What was on the pizza, more important? Good question! <laughs> uh, uh, that's a good question. I think it was... Uh, I made my own sauce, didn't I? Well done. I made my own sauce and I had a bit of uh, a bit of pecorino, pecorino cheese on top, and it was it was actually a, a garlic uh, garlic bread base. Nice. With my wow. own marinara sauce and a bit of cheese. Wow, that's extravagant. I wouldn't have eaten it during the podcast. Only my wife brought it in to me, which has never happened before. I've never had a meal delivered to me uh, during a podcast before, or indeed ever. Rory actually said just before we recorded, he said, "Table service. This is fantastic." <laughs> It's a fair, you know, fair play I could to just Rory. Leave it sitting there, could I? <laughs> so fair play to you, Rory, uh, and for making me hungry. And for those who want to know, it's spaghetti bolognese for me tonight. Uh, Lucy, for you. Well, I have had a late invite for dinner, but depends on we finish this podcast. <laughs> oh God, God help you, Lucy. It's not going to happen. <laughs> well, so whatever, whatever on the pub's menu, I don't know. Uh, get get the steak. Just just. Steak, medium rare. Happy days. Where you go. Uh, right, so, yeah. Rory, we're talking about the 150 on Saturday, Rory. 
<laughs> and we're talking about real right. world. We're on the we're on the Strancel stakes, aren't we? Right. Yes. The si- yes. So take it away. Does real world deserve to be as short a price as he is? Uh, well, listen, it's worth pointing out that he's stepping up in class. Um, this is um, this is a, a tougher task on paper than um, when winning a listed race at Newbury last time out. But he was really impressive there. Um, the way he picked up late in the day, he got himself in a little bit of a pocket. Yeah. Um, and it looked like he was going to finish um, a good second. But he picked up really well. Um, and to be honest, I, I watched the race again. And my... my um, memory of it was of him, you know, looking beaten, picking up really well, and getting up close home to win narrowly. He's ended up winning by a length and a quarter in the end from Dara. Mm. Um, now I, the, the runner-up was disappointed since, but he, he'd um, he'd run a very good race in his previous start. Um, so um, I thought that was um, I thought it was a very good performance um, from Real World to win the way he did, and I thought he was better than the bare result. Um, but it's always worth bearing in mind that horses who are impressive in handicaps or enlisted company, but when they start stepping up in class, you have to just ask the question about whether they are facing a different calibre of rival. Um, and I'm not sure he is, actually. Um, you've got to bear in mind his previous run was when absolutely writing the field in the Royal Hunt Cup. Um, and to win, a, to win a race like that by almost five lengths is, uh, is something special. So to have done it in, in different conditions, uh, Newbury afterwards as well, um, just shows how, how progressive um, he is, and he's just a much better horse on turf than he is on um, uh, on on dirt. He 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 showed reasonable form um, at Maidan early in the season on the on the dirt surface there. But it's just a um, just a much better horse return to turf in his last two starts. Um, Cheek piece is replacing advisor as well. Marco Gliani on both times again. He's he's a hugely promising jockey. Um, I, I don't like um, apprentice jockeys being overpraised. Because um, you know, it's they tend to be flavor of the month. Uh, whoever happens to be writing a, a flurry of winners, and um, we're not particularly good at asking ourselves the question: where was where was the the um, the apprentice jockey we were we were raving about six months ago? We tend to, uh, you know, if they're not in the headlines, we tend to assume that they've fallen off the face of the earth, and we don't really care. Um, and I think that's a rather callous way of looking at um, uh, jockeys. So I don't I don't like the the, the sort of the trend to. Um, um, to uh, praise apprentices as the you know the next champion jockey um, when um, there's an awful lot of, of those really promising jockeys who fall by the wayside through, through often through no fault of their own as well. Yeah. Um, but Marco Gianni is he's now out of his apprenticeship. Uh, well, well, he's, he's lost his claim. He's still he's still an apprentice um, officially, isn't he? But he's um, he's clearly got that something about him. You know, he's got that self-belief. He's got a, a real work ethic. You speak to Stuart Williams about him and he says, you know, from the, mo- the moment he arrived in the yard, he really gets stuck in. Um, and he's a, a guy you can trust implicitly. Um, but he's also got that sort of cheeky, chappy um, attitude. With he's, he's he's very reminiscent of Frankie de Tori, isn't he? In a slightly <laughs> slightly more understated way. You, you, couldn't be, you couldn't be more overstated than Frankie. But there's something about him. He has that, he has the charm and the confidence um, that doesn't come across as being um, uh, arrogance. Yeah. Um, and I think he'll go along. And obviously he's got a young family as well. Uh, and that tends to anchor you a little bit um, as, a, as a young man. So yeah, he's, he's really impressive, Marco Gianni. And I really hope that he does go all the way to the top. Um, and the way he's ridden um, real world, obviously he could, he could barely get beaten on him at Ascot. Um, he was so far ahead of his mark. Um, but his, his ride at Newbury, um, his, 
the fact that he believed he was going to win all the way through there when it looked like he was booked for a second um, showed real coolness. Um, and um, he, he should be hard to beat here again. Um, it looks like the ground conditions are going to be very much in his favour. You know, if it came up soft, that would be a little, little bit of a concern given his, his uh, massive improvement of late has come on, on firm and good to firm ground. So he'd want the ground to stay as it is. There might be rain around at York. Again, this is something to bear in mind. Um, we can't be absolutely certain about weather forecasts, but f- from what I've seen, I keep looking at... at um, an updated forecast. There will be rain hitting um, York on Saturday, but it may well come after racing. So um, that can change and you've got to keep an eye on it. And if it does look like we're going to have heavy rain, I would tread carefully. But if the rain doesn't arrive, I'd be very keen on real world's chances here. And um, I'm not sure there's there's anything in the field to beat him. Um, Branch is a horse I like an awful lot, but it, he's also coming the same sort of path. He was actually behind uh, real world in the Hunt Cup. Um, conceding weight to him that day, he, he had a, a handicap mark of 104, uh, whereas Real World was running off 94. So there was 10 pounds of a difference between them. Um, and, and Brunch, in that respect, had um, had very little chance. But those of us who backed him seven places got paid out. Mm. Each way, seven places on Cup. Thank you very much. Um, that was a pleasant surprise after the event. Uh, and then he's got back he's got back on track by winning... Um, uh, at uh, Pontefract in a listed race last time. Well, I say back on track. It was a good run at Ascot. Um, but he was as good as ever when winning that listed race last time out. Um, but if you're going to make an, an argument that he might be the one to, to beat um, Real World, he's kind of trumped by Real World in terms of the, the merit of the last two performances there. But um, he deserves his chance at this level. I think Real World is a good thing, Lucy Russell Hughes. I'd agree with everything. I think... Uh, for me, real world has been one of the horses of the season. I think yeah. um, the just the, the manner in in his victories, and obviously you spoke about Marco Gianni there. I think the manner of his celebrations as well. We mentioned we spoke about this a bit earlier. The um, the way he's crossed the line and celebrated Marco Gianni has been great on both occasions on real world. Um, you know we've seen Ray Dawson today do the same thing, stand up in his stirrups like you said, Emma, and just go crazy. David and, Egan um, as well. David, exactly. There's a lot of young up-and-coming riders, but the riders that really celebrate and after the line, like, it just means so much to them. Uh, I think, it's a great yeah, sight too. It just adds, the, just there's something about that that just in, injects something special into it. I, I love it. Yeah. No, I agree completely. Um, so, yeah, he's been, I think he's been a fantastic horse this season, real world. Um, and... I think this trip will be really suited to him because he won the Royal Hunt Cup over a mile. Then he won the listed race at Newbury over a mile and two. And then this race is a mile and one furlong. So right slap back in, in the middle. So, um, And you wouldn't have thought the ground would be a problem if it stays good, good to firm. I think with the rain, I think perhaps, um, as you mentioned there, somebody, somebody I was speaking to said the rain could arrive when racing's finished um, on Saturday. So looks like it's going to be drying out even more. So, yeah, I think Real World is um, the standout horse, but there are some horses in this that um, are interesting. I think El Drama um, came up behind a, a fantastic horse last time in Bayad um, in the Group 3 race at Goodwood. Um, that horse that's really smart for William Haggis. <clears throat> and then... Yeah, I think Law Glitters, um, very interesting, but very, very high in the handicap now, this horse. Mm. Um, but 
don't rule him out on I think he doesn't mind feeling his feet on the on the fast ground and he's won this race in the past he's another horse that um runs really well over this trip it's quite a unique trip of one mile one furlong and he's a horse that needs to be produced late so keep an eye on him because I wouldn't have thought he'd be up with the pace he'd be more than likely um coming around the bend at York quite far back so and so often we've seen uh, Jamie Spencer get a really good tune out of him. Obviously, Danny Tudhoe taking the ride on this occasion. But, yeah, I think um, they've kept him fresh as well, Lord Lucas. He hasn't run since his, uh, his try in the Queen Anne um, over a mile at Ascot. So they've kept him fresh for this. So I thought that was quite interesting. Um, and he, obviously a race he's won in the past. But take nothing away from real world. I think he's very smart and... I say I was going to say progressive. I think he could go on even further. So that was a listed victory last time. He looks to step, take the next step up, which would be group group three standard. And I think this is the perfect opportunity. I completely agree. Uh, real world goes and wins. Uh, Two twenty-five. The Skybet Melrose handicap is our next race over a mile and six. King of the Castle wins for Aidan O'Brien and William Buick. Um, oh. <laughs> So Aidan told me on, on TalkSport. Uh, a man I spoke to on the phone said he would win this race. Yep. There's no need to discuss it any the further. The trainer of the horse said he's going to win, so he wins. Uh, his his exact words were, we've got him in off a nice mark. And uh, he's working very, very well. So William Buick takes over. And um, yeah, King of Castle wins. Uh, Lucy? I think this is a very, very hard race to work out. Well, for me, personally anyway, but a lot of these horses could go on to the Skybet Ebor next year. So we should certainly uh, take a note of this this field and it's a big running field. Um, yeah, Aidan O'Brien's horse, King of the Castle, set to go off top weight. Um, obviously won last time out at Limerick and he'll be stepping up in trip, but wouldn't have thought that'd be a problem um, for a, a mile and six this time. Yeah, he was a winner last time out and that was... Um, in sort of softish ground. So you'd like to think a mile and six on quick ground uh, shouldn't be too much of a concern. And I think um, William Haggis's horse um, has come for some support as well. Um, Dushan, uh, Tom Markhan, set to take the ride. Uh, he's been in good form this season. He's won twice. And that they've been both over a mile and a half. On one occasion, that was on good to firm ground. Um, that was at Haydock. So... Not very often you get those sort of conditions at Haydock. Um, so he looks like he could go off um, one of the fancied horses. I do like um, Andrew Balding has got uh, a runner in this, possibly a second string. Um, or he's only got one runner. I do quite like his runner anyway. Uh, Valley Valley Forge, David Probert set to take the ride. Um, I just thought he's a horse that's going to progress. Um he won last time out over a mile and a half and I just thought that was on good to firm ground at Foss last. So he's shown um, a liking to um, faster conditions and previous to that he he ran on good to firm ground at Doncaster over a mile and a half as well and was uh, was second on that occasion. Um, he's by Dan Silly who is a sire. His horses tend to progress and they tend to run well over longer distances. So I thought Valley Forge was quite interesting and could present a bit of value and David Probert Andrew Balding um, are a team yeah team that are in really good form I agree um, 
I would like to add that uh, for those who are concerned about the Edna Bryan stable form, not only did Snowfall annihilate her rivals today, uh, Edna Bryan has banged in a couple of winners at Clarny as well. So um, take that, stable form uh, theorists. Um, it's it well, the, those those stable form purists would point out that while he was getting no winners in this country, Snowfall was winning uh, winning it, the Oaks anyway. So she wasn't doing anything different. Exactly, and uh, no one cares about winners at Killarney. <laughs> so uh, there you have that. Sarah Lynan would have cared if if uh, Joy should manage to hang on and win. Uh, he ran a blinder for her, and uh, there's a nice race in him. Um, uh, genuinely, it's King of the Castle for me, Rory. Um, I he's got a strong mention already, but I like Valley Forge. Um, he, there is more to come from him um, up and trip. It, it wasn't um, it wasn't the strongest uh, race that he won at Foss last last time out, but he's shown in his last two starts that that he handles the ground very well. I thought he just he just got um, uh, out sprinted uh, in in a decent race at um, at, uh, at Doncaster by Moshawa, who's in here as well, isn't he? Mm. Uh, for Roger Varian. Um, Valley Forge, for me, travelled much the best through that race, but just, you know, David Prober tried to keep him under wraps for as long as possible. Um, and he was able, he, he raced with Mushower, um through much of the race, but then moved past that rival going better. Um, and ju- I think he just, he was just a little bit over-enthusiastic in the way he went through it. He came there to win his race and, and Mushower, uh You can have this both ways. You can either say he showed a bit too much speed for him in the finish or having been outpaced by Valley Forge, um, stayed on better to win. Um, uh, and it's not it's it's not easy to be absolutely adamant about that, but I like the way Valley Forge went through the race. And of course, he's gone on to win his next start as well. So he's built on that promise as well. The pair of them were over seven lengths clear in, in a race that wasn't run at a particularly strong pace at Doncaster. And I think it's um I think that could be could be very good form. Uh, and of course uh, the horse that uh, Valley Forge beat in his maiden you look at a fast last mid and you expect it to be pretty weak, but say he beat um beat a filly called Nadine, who um who bolted up um admittedly at very short odds um on her next starts um at Catrick. She won a novice there by eight lengths, hard held. Um so again, the form's working out quite nicely. There's more to come from him as well. Uh, I like the Mel Rose as a race, not as much as Lydia Hislop likes the Mel Rose as a race. She loves um, him. but I do, but I do like it. The problem with the race at like the Mel Rose is. Again, you're just looking at a bunch of horses who are unexposed, usually at a mile and three quarters. If they're exposed, they can't. They generally can't win. If they're unexposed, you have to guess how much improvement they're going to find. And that's never ideal, given my methods, for example. So you've got to watch the videos and say, oh, this is, you know, this is this is run to a level that's 10 pounds below what's required, but it's going to improve a stone on that. And therefore, it's a big player. Um, and that's that's all guesswork to some degree, but obviously it's judgment as well. You watch a, you watch a horse win a race and go, well, that could have won much more easily, or um, that did a fair bit wrong. It's going to improve from that. Um, and and that's some people love that kind of race, and some people hate it. Obviously, as I said, Lydia absolutely loves it. Um, I used to love races like that, and I still do like the Melrose because they're my kind of horses, um, my three quarter three year olds. Um, but it's not always easy working out who's you know keeping their powder dry. And the top trainers, the William Haggis of this world, will always, you know, they don't want to win little handicaps with horses who are good enough to win a Mel Rose. They want to keep um, them under wraps as long as possible so they get the best handicap mark. Uh, and that makes it a hard race um, to be adamant about it in terms of the form. But as I said, I like Valley Forge. He's improved with every start so far. Uh, he only debuted in, in May as well. Um, his best form has come on quick ground. So as long as it stays as it is, 
with Andrew Bolling and David Probert continuing in tremendous form, I think he will go close. Just don't complicate your mind, Rory. Don't complicate your mind. Go with the horse who is a brother to the absolute monster Serpentine. We, you know, he's done nothing. He won the Derby by 75 lengths and then confirmed that for him. It's it's been illegal for him to be placed in a race since. That's right. Yeah. He hasn't done anything since, has he? Yeah. Wait, didn't he win that? No, he's done nothing. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Uh, But it is. Wedding career. Wedding. Oh, JP's got one for the Supreme. It's Serpentine. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that being a son of Galileo, they'll be trying at least anyway. Uh, Wedding Vow is on the pedigree. Bye Bye Baby in the pedigree as well. So King of the Castle. Don't complicate your mind. King of the Castle goes and wins. Don't complicate your mind. Space Blues wins. The uh, <laughs> City of York. Easy. Rory. I'm, I'm, Simple. I'm easy game. Within the next five minutes. Easy uh, game, so. Rory. Space Blues wins. Uh, Primo Baccio wins. Ah, oh, Cliff Horse. All right, go on. Cliff Horse? Cliff Horse. Well, because of its its long losing run. Uh, well, to be fair, the losing run is only two, but we have talked an awful lot sure, about Cliff Horse. One of them was in France, which doesn't count. Uh, that doesn't count at all. Cheese eating, swinging um, monkeys. She wants, she, wants, um, she wants quick grind, and uh, she's um, showing her best form at, uh, at York. Um, she, she didn't get much of a run, to be perfectly honest, um, in the um, uh, in the the Falmouth, which was a very good race anyway. Yeah. Um, and then you know the going was the, the the going was probably too soft for her um, at Deauville last time out in the pre Rothschild. Um, she didn't run too badly there, but um, as I said, she was enormously impressive with the turn of foot she showed um, when winning um, the uh, the Michael Seeley Memorial here in May. And actually, on pedigree, uh, she's going to be even better at seven furlongs. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't, you don't have to forgive an awful lot. She's been beaten around a length and a half in, in group ones in her last two starts. Um, she drops in class. She represents the, you know, a very good crop of three-year-old fillies here. And um, I'd, uh, I'd be pretty confident about her bouncing back to form. So mm. I don't want to say, I, I should take away the bit at the start where I say she wins. I think she's, I think she's a very good value against Space Blues here. Okay. That's, that's a very fair point to make. Uh, Lucy, for you? Yeah, I think Primo Baccio, like you say, probably didn't have her conditions last time out and then was so unlucky in that Falmouth Group 1 race at Newmarket. But that I think that race was one of the races of the season. Uh, If you look at the first five home, um, like alcohol-free, I think Mother Earth was in there. Uh, A lot of Group 1 form. Um, And then she's obviously won at York the time before. So, yeah, I can see... Um, she's going to have a, a strong chance in this race, definitely. Um, I think Space Blues was in the form of his life last season, um, although he wasn't beaten far last time out of Goodwood, and that was behind Kinross, who, who I think Kinross has gone on to to run really well in France um, since then, arguably. A bit unlucky, I think his trainer said, uh, about Kinross last time out. So, yeah, Space Blues, I, I just thought, he, his form last year was standout. He was in tremendous form. Um, whether he's in that that same of same sort of form this time around remains to be seen. Um, I do like uh, Sir Buster. I think he's very very interesting. Although it's it's not really a race to be 
Um, well, I suppose you could. He's he's eleven to one or around about that price. So, yeah, I like Sebastian. I think he's only run at York once, and he was second um, in the Clipper Logistics Handicap. That was, um, I think, that was was last year or year before at, at this meeting. Anyway, um, Adam Kirby's in the saddle this time. I think he's a he's going to get a really good tune out of him. He's a horse that you do need to wake up. Um, you, you need to get quite hard on him. Um, and he's shown obviously his best form at Ascot, having won over the straight mile there. So uh, he's shown a liking to the course here at York, finishing second. Um, as I said in in one of the big handicaps of the Ebor meeting, I think he's very very interesting. Um, and I, he's been running he's been running in good form this this year without winning, um, and that, that's been in sort of group group races. Uh, I thought he ran a tremendous race at Royal Ascot as well. That was in a Group One behind Palace Beer. Um, so Busker is a horse I've always liked and I think Adam Kirby is, is going to um, be a really strong rider in the saddle for him because I think that's the, the way he needs to be ridden um, he needs to be ridden very strongly um, so I thought he was very interesting Sir Busker um, is, is Sir Busker your main selection? Yeah he will be I think yeah uh, Save Voyage very talented horse um, on soft ground yeah. although he, he and that's that would be my concern yeah, for him. Not not going to get um, his conditions, and um, mm. will be just blitzed by Space Blues anyway. Has Roy hung up yet? <laughs> to, to the the last race, the Ebor. Just hold on, Rory. Hold on. Um, so Sidebin Sora and Pat Cosgrove are both trying to figure out how do they get a horse out of this race. Um, hey Charlie, do us a favor and just pull Global Storm. Oh, good, good lad. Cheers. Thanks very much, team player. Uh, so that they can get Live Your Dream in, who is the anti-post favorite for the race at 15 to 2. Sunday Boy Liston for Johnny Murta and Ben Cohen, 8 to 1. Hamish for William Haggis and Tom Marquand, 10s. Uh, William Haggis is throwing a lot of this, including. Ooh, 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 uh, Illarab? That's a horse, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'll do. Okay, and that's my selection. I think he will. He'll win this. Uh, easy game, Rory. He wins. Uh, nothing else to be said. Lucy, Ilrab wins. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm. <laughs> How much caffeine have I had? Not enough. <laughs> it's um, it's an incredibly hard race to work out, isn't it? I think it's impossible. Um, it yeah, impossible. <laughs> they've got on. They've got a mile. Six furlongs, so um, they they say about the draw shouldn't really um, be too much of a factor because you've got such a long race to make up your position. Um, so I won't be looking too much at the draw in this race. Um, but yeah, big field race. Um, I think Hamish is interesting, but that long layoff is putting me off slightly. Um, he he's coming for a lot of support, but. He hasn't raced since um, last year, I think, Royal Ascot. So it's a long layoff. Um, but obviously, William Haggis can no doubt get a horse ready. Um, as you say, he's got quite a few runners in this. I do like um, David O'Meara's horse, um, Eagle by Day, who this horse is a course and distance winner um, in a group race as well. First time out for David O'Meara last year. This is a horse that they've fought a lot of having campaigned him in, in group race races um, since then certainly stays the distance 
and I thought he was very interesting at, at a bigger price perhaps um, for the club logistics ownership as well. He's only had one run this season. That was at Goodwood. Um, was beaten quite far, but that was a mile and a half. So I like to think um, he's back to his optimum trip of one mile, six furlongs. As I say, he does stay further. So I think he's a horse that um, they've always thought a lot of. And yeah, he, he surprised everyone when he when he won on debut for um, this yard. That was in a group, group race last year at, at York. So... I really like Eagles by Day. I think he's um, a talented horse. I think everybody says these days you need to win the Eagle with a horse that um, perhaps is of group standard, um, but also perhaps a horse that um, hasn't had too much racing and is going to progress. Um, I think Yukon Glenn is obviously very talented in his own right. He's top weight for this, um, which might be a bit too much of an ask, but he, he's ran some tremendous races this season. Um, didn't run too well last time out. Not entirely sure. Maybe the, the trip last time out was a bit short for him. And then David Minusier, who you spoke to, Emmett, has got blue pack mm. um, in this race. Not sure he's going to stay the trip, but very interesting that he's um, he's taken a plunge for him in this race. So, yeah, I do like Eagles by day for David O'Meara. Um, hopefully he, he can go close. Omara before Delarkey gets in there, um, which was an old RTE joke um, from the the late great uh, man who played Father Ted, who was Rory. Dermot Morgan, one of the greatest comedians of all time, and uh, and a great loss. Father Ted still holds up to this day. Um, what do you think the chances of Live Your Dream getting into this race are, and if he does? Does he become a massive gamble? And also, just to follow the whole thing up, may as well just throw like 17 questions at you at once as we come to the conclusion of this. Uh, who do you like in the race? Um, the thing that, that really occurs to me with this race is that um, virtually all the field are holdup horses. Yes. The vast majority of these were held up near, the, you know, the rear of midfield or out the back in previous races, you watched last year's running, nothing that was held up ever figured. Not a single horse who was held up figured in the finish. Um, and I'm just thinking that there might be a couple of these. I'm working out who, who will stay the trip and will will be will race prominently. If Mount Leinster handles the ground, and you know he's been he's been on the go for a fair while and most of his form is on is on um considerably softer ground. Um, but if he's happy on the ground. Um, and Willie, Willie's happy to give him a chance, uh, with Jason Watson an interesting jockey booking. Um, that's a big positive. The other thing to point out with the race, um, Lucy says the the the, the, um, the draw shouldn't make much of a difference because because of the of the trip. Um, actually, historically, if anything, high draws are um, are advantaged here. Um, and when um, uh, when we had, I think the the first, second, third last year were all drawn in in. Um, Drawn next to each other actually in double figures, uh, and you go back a, a couple of years um, when um, uh, we made a nice result with Muntaha winning this. Oh yeah, um, he was drawn in stall twenty one, and the first step, the, the third was drawn in stall twenty. Um, all, all three who were who were in the uh, in the uh, involved in the finish then were drawn very wide, and actually what's happened is the way the race pans out, those those who, who get stuck towards the rail on the inside uh, just struggle to uh, to get much of a run. 
Um, when Nikita won it, he was drawn stall 18, the runner-up was drawn stall 21. So time and again, you're actually finding the really high draws end up doing really well in this race, and it's not grind-related either. Um, so I'd want something with a little bit of tool who's drawn wide. Well, can I, some, some, can I just yeah. say then, because I'm going to make a prediction of who you're going to go for. I uh, could be wrong. Yeah. But given the fact that he can press or can lead and is drawn high and has a nice price, Fujiara Prince? Yeah, listen, he won the race, he won the race last year yeah. uh, when it was an advantage to, to, to race on the pace. And although he's higher in the weights now, um, he, he deserves to be, and he's been led out for the race again. So, yeah, he would be very, very high on my short list. Um, it was good as soft ground when he won this um, uh, last year. Um, but he's got plenty of form on um, uh, on a slightly quicker surface. Um, you know, he was he was a good third in front of the uh, the uh, favorite for this race um, in the uh, course and distance um, silver cup behind Hookham, who of course has gone on and, and bolted up in a group race under a penalty since. Uh, so I think yeah, I think for Jerry Prince is the most obvious horse in the race. But, but I'm interested in Mount Leinster as well. I'm going to have to dig through Mount Leinster and see if I think um, whether I think Fast Ground will be an impediment to him. Um, it's not like he's run poorly on it before. He's just, he's just never really run and ground faster than good. But because he's mostly been a jumps performer, um, running in the winter there hasn't been that much quick ground for him to run on. So I think it may be largely irrelevant. And it's also worth pointing out that when you come and it comes to staying handicaps. Stopping at Willie Mullins' runners is often a very, very good piece of advice. Yeah. Because um, he's just, you know, he campaigns them differently. Uh, they tend to be dual purpose performers, but um, you can't, you just don't go too far wrong um, backing Willie Mullins selected in a race like this. Um, and given that he was he was meant to be running Salgier in this. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, then, and then didn't declare him. Um, is that is that a, a big positive for Mike Lester's chances? Because if he really wanted Salgier to run, and Salgier might have missed the cut, the obvious thing is he was not declaring Mike Leinster. Um, but he's ended up declaring Mike Leinster and not declaring the other runner. Um, and, I, you know, he's very high on the short list. Um, so, yeah, the, the, I, that's, that's the way I would, I would look at this race. I would, I would start looking for horses who can race handily um, because, you know, if Andrea is saying he's got his wits about him with Jared Prince, he's going to set a pace that suits him rather than a pace that suits the holds-up horses. Um, and as we've seen in the past, you know, a number of horses, despite the fact that it looks hugely open, um, when when uh, Muntaha won it, um, he pretty much dominated. He kept wide of the other runners, ran his own race, and that was very strong at the finish. You know, um, and uh, I can see this panning out quite similarly to last year. So they did come across to the stands rail in the straight last year because um, the ground was on the soft side, and they were looking for the best of it. Whereas they're liable to come down the middle this time. Um, which might give the hold-up horses a little bit more of a chance because, you know, you could use the whole, the width of the straight to come with your run then. Um, but I've still, given the shape of the race and given given how many of these seem to be extreme hold-up horses, um, my frustration with staying handicaps generally is that, that they're often not run at a pace that gives everything a chance. You're often, you're often back a horse in a staying race going, oh, this... This has been running really well at a mile and a half, and it wants it wants a bit further because it, it all it does is stay, and then it steps up to a mile and three quarters or two miles, and they crawl, mm. and the fact the horse stays is, becomes completely irrelevant because it becomes a sprint, um, and that might well be the case with this. And if that is the case, you you just have to be handy, or or have a proven record of being able to quicken off a slow pace, uh, and there aren't many in that um, uh, in that mode here. 
Well, in that case, uh, does that mean that your shortlist is simply Mount Leinster and uh, Roger Varian's horse, the winner of this race last year, Fujiara Prince? I'd give Pablo Escobar a second a second look as well. <clears throat> he's drawn stall twenty two, and he's he's been running well in, in group races um, of late. He's he's not badly weighted when you consider Adam Farrakhan's claim. Um, he's um, he's got a lot of experience. Adam Farrakhan, his, his strike rate as a, as a rider isn't terrific, but you don't get to ride as an apprentice for for William Haggis by being poor. Um, and um, I, I'm not a big fan of just looking at a, a jockey strike rate and saying, well, that's you know, you have a five percent strike rate this year. You're clearly not very good. Um, his he's He's won on uh, two of his last uh, ten rides, uh, both for well, one for William Magus, one for uh, for um, Robert Kyle, and he's been seen to pretty good effectively. I do like I like an apprentice who gains experience over time and gets a lot of rides, even if a lot of stuff, even if you're riding a lot of no hopers or a lot of stuff goes wrong for you. If you keep learning from that, um, that's a positive. And as I said. Um, if, if the land Farrakhan wasn't a particularly good jockey, William Haggis would not be using him in a race like the Ebor. Um, and what I've seen of him of late suggests that he's um, he, he's a, a pretty tidy rider. So the five points he claims from Pablo Escobar, who's, who's proven in Group 3 company, um, would make him a player here as well. And again, he'll be reasonably well suited by quick grind on this trip. Um, and he has made the running in the past. So he's, he's in there in the shortlist as well. That's probably the main three. But I might dig through a little bit more and see if I can find one more and then look to play exotics as well. We've got the TriCast. We've got the Exacta. Nailed. Happy days. Um, and hopefully... Don't get your Escobars confused. Do, exactly, yes. Roberto the, Escobar Roberto also is the there too. It's number 13 coming out of stall 22. It's Pablo Escobar. Uh, but Mount Lens- well, if Roberto Escobar wins, we'll be clear with that one as well. Of course we will. On Sunday show, we'll be like, and Rory DeLonghi's done again. Uh, we wouldn't do that to you. We'd never do that to you at all. Uh, right, final selections. I, I even I even checked one of my accounts to see if they'd set up my each way bet on Alpinista as an each way bet on Alba Flora instead. You know, you never know. Sure, they've they face similar names and they run the same colours. Uh, there could always be some some idiot working. Um, final selections for the Ebor, uh, Lucy. Yeah, the more you look at that race, you could just name horses like Roberto Escobar, who's gone under the radar as well. Um, and he, he's a horse that's been running enlisted in group company since his second start. So I just thought Kevin Stott was interesting. How, how many times did he ride for William Haggis? Not very often. So mm. that's very interesting. Um, obviously, he's based in the north, Kevin Stott. So interesting that William Haggis has selected him. Um, but yeah, I do really like Eagles by day. So I'll be having some money on him. Okay, so Eagles by day. Here, here is our TriCast. Eagles by day. Pablo Escobar. Mount Leinster. Fujiara Prince. Combination, trifecta. Three of those four. Combination, exacta. Boom. See you in Dubai. We'll see you in Dubai. Best bets uh, for the next few days. Um, Lucy. Yeah, I really like um, the two-year-old Kevin Ryan's horse gives a sub in the gym crack. Um, hopefully, with his conditions uh, quick, quicker ground and um, back on the Naismar, hopefully he, he can run a really solid race. Uh, he would be my big bet as well, and uh, will be tomorrow. I think he's a really good price. Really good price as well. He's twenties. Yeah, he's twenty. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 50 to 1 if you have having a forecast with Lucille. 
Yeah, there you see, go. See, Rory, very... see, Delargy, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Let's go. Not necessarily a straight one, but yeah. Oh, man. I can't. I'm so pumped uh, for the racing. It's just ridiculous. Um, uh, <laughs> All pumped for something. <laughs> yeah. All uh, the coffee. It's Lucy knows how much coffee I've consumed today, and yeah. it's, um, some doctors would say it's dangerously unhealthy. Uh, others would say, "Well done, well done, you." It's really, really, really dangerously unhealthy. Po- possibly, possibly. The choice between the two, really. Um, I wonder how many people will be able. You to- know, you seem normal, so. <laughs> yeah, I do. Crack on. Um, no. <laughs> I wonder how many people will be able to get the sixty sixes about Chipotle. Chipotle, oh, well, have a look. Are the price still there now? What? I've managed to get £8.75 on, so I can't see them holding up against oh, that. Oh, 33s! Oh, I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm I'm not taking responsibility for that, but at the same time, I'm not saying that I didn't. But there's, there's a, a lot of the time when we're putting horses up at, at that kind of price, that's the kind of price you want to get about them. Yeah, um, and you had said thirty three. You know, it's a realistic price, and sometimes the price the price can go through the floor. Uh, great example being Ostilio in the Stewart's Cup, where the price has collapsed and it's quite weak, and you don't want to be backing at the shorter price. But this was, you know, um, as I said, I'm 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 not absolutely flying the flag for for Chipotle, but there are good reasons to be backing him on fast ground. And the and thirty three to one, I'm not sure that'll last. Mm. To be perfectly honest, it's pretty much across the board, thirty-three to one. But that's a very fair price in the grand scheme of things. Uh, so the sixty-sixes was just an aberration. And often you see, oh, I could have had sixty-sixes and go and not want to take a shorter price. But if that's the boat you're in, um, you just got to treat the sixty-sixes as, as virtually mythical. Yeah, I think that's a very, very fair way of uh, of describing that. Um, I think uh, my Best bet of the weekend is going to be King of the Castle. Yeah, that'll be mine. There's a man on the so, phone told you. Because uh, uh, Giza Sub, uh, Lucy has gone for Giza Sub, so Giza Sub is my best bet, but in order to make it a patent, I'll say King of the Castle. Uh, you and your bleeding patents, eh? Which means then, Roy Delargy, your best bet is. I'll uh, I'll throw in, although I've made a case for why you want to be slightly wary of, um, uh, of punting horses in races like this, um... Valley Forge in the Rose. And you were strong on Valley Forge as well. Uh, that's it. We're done. Uh, Lucy, are you going to be able to make your dinner date? Uh, I'll be late, but I'll still make it. Yay! So, order order <laughs> My mum said, well, Billy screw you, Kennedy. Say, <laughs> say again, Lucy. No, my mum my knew that I was on the podcast with you, so she was like, just join whenever. Oh, <laughs> she's like, oh, it's going to be eight o'clock. All right, it's okay. I'll wait. I'll wait. Um, if it helps, if it helps at all, um, and shout out to the groom, um, uh, the bride and groom, in fact, because it's now Mr. and Mrs. Kelly, uh, Jar and Paula, uh, whose wedding I attended a couple of weeks ago and was just an absolute blast. Uh, his sister, Fiona, is one of the nicest people in the world, but she's also an absolute disaster. Uh, we were sitting in a restaurant Dinner was booked for half past seven. We're all sitting around. We're obviously we've got no oppor- no nothing to do other than drink. Uh, we can't order until her and her husband arrive. And half eight, she turns up. Oh, I thought it was half eight. 
Three times that happened. Three times. The third time we just went, you know what? Fuck it. Just order. Just, just forget about it. Just order now. And then she was giving out to us. Like, How could you order without me? How could you? Because we know you're going to be late. That's why. Uh, so fair play. <laughs> The expression, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, springs to mind here. <laughs> hey! Hey, Uh You're right. I don't even have a comeback to that, actually. You're completely and 100% right. But anyway, at least I wouldn't be an hour and a half late. Um, Lucy, enjoy your dinner. Uh, Rory, enjoy whatever pizza it is that you're going to have tonight. And I'm going to enjoy my spaghetti bolognese. Uh, tune in to TalkSport Friday. Simon Holt and myself uh, alongside Lizzie Kelly and Rupert Bell will give you live coverage of uh, all of the racing from York alongside Oshin Murphy as well. I'll be chatting to him in the morning. Lucy Russell-Hughes, uh, we've had a long day together on TalkSport and on the Final Forum podcast. Uh, you're in top form. Enjoy your dinner with your mother. Uh, steak, medium rare. Have fun. Thank you, Emmett. Uh, speak soon. Roy Delargy, just the 40 to 1 winner today, in top form. And uh, you've given us some fantastic advice, along with Lucy, who's also given us some fantastic insight. Uh, best luck to you, my friend. And the very, the very same to you, Emmett, and to all the listeners. And we're back with the review podcast. Roy and I have yet to decide when we're recording. It might be Sunday, it might be Monday, it might be Tuesday. Who knows? Uh, but it will be happening. And uh, we'll look back on the best of York. Enjoy the next couple of days. Uh, there is some top-class racing on board. Enjoy it. And uh, hopefully, we've got some gravy in there for you. Talk to you soon. Stay safe. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk.